This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. John said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foam pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough. Glad you're joining me today. It is July 9th, 2018. This is episode 96. And t- today we have a great interview for you uh, with a lady named Michelle Nutter. We'll hear all about her journey and what she's got going on here in just a few minutes. But before we get into that, I thought I'd just share a few things with you. It's been a staycation week uh, and uh, I took some time off. That's why you haven't had a podcast in a few days. Uh, uh, I kind of just had to get a lot of stuff done around here and did a little bit of fishing and uh, just had a good time. Didn't go anywhere uh, far away or anything, but uh, got a lot of work done. So just uh, just been sticking around the house. But in that time, I finished the aquaponics tank and uh, we actually just put up a video of a property tour on YouTube. So go check out our YouTube channel. I'll, uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes today so you can go check that out. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, a little, uh, journey around our, uh, little small town homestead here. And it ain't much, but we're doing quite a bit on a little, little tiny piece of property. So go check that out if you get a chance. Also really just fighting that bug pressure still. I mean, we have, uh, uh, really been all about that here uh, recently the japanese beetles the the squash bugs the just it's just been such a hard year for the insects this year but we're getting through it you know i mean just have to be diligent and keep things removed keep things sprayed with our organic mixtures you know we generally use a little bit of soapy water and some uh some peppermint oil and and then we're uh experimenting with some uh some different stuff making some homemade uh sprays with uh things like garlic and 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 uh peppers and things like that too to try to drive off the insects but you know just it's all an experiment we've never really had this kind of bug pressure so i'm learning a lot here as we're dealing with it but it's been a journey no doubt about it but boy i've been really excited about the aquaponics tank we i mentioned that a minute ago uh finished that this week finally got some plants in it some fish in it it's running it's and it, you know what I, i'm really pleased with that thing so far i mean it's been up and running for almost a week now as i'm recording this and i'll tell you it's um it, I think it's going to be a blessing to have, and, and it's uh, really opened my eyes up to the possibilities of what you could be done with some aquaponics. So, wouldn't be surprised if you know a lot more of that starts making an appearance on my little homestead in the future. So, uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm gonna let that run probably this year. We'll probably won't expand on it too much this year, but uh, you know, if things go well the rest of this year. I could see uh, we us opening up a. A lot of doors in the aquaponics journey uh, next year for sure. So we'll see how that goes. Um, let's just uh, jump right into our, our interview with Michelle. And, and she's going to tell us all about uh, what she's doing on her homestead. And I think you're really, really going to enjoy uh, this uh, this episode. Well, I'm joined today on the podcast by Michelle Nutter. Michelle is a uh, homesteader and uh, author. And I have a feeling she probably wears a few other hats like most homesteaders do. And uh, with that, Michelle, welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Now, you just recently jumped into the Homestead Front Porch Facebook group, and uh, that's where I uh, first uh, heard heard about what you're doing there. And you kind of came in, and you you stirred things up a little bit. You you came in there and told us <laughs> told a bunch of us what you were doing, and you know some of the things you had going on there, and it interested a bunch of people. And some some folks said, "Hey, get her on the podcast." And I said, "That's a great idea." <laughs> so, well, here you are. And well, that's, uh, that's great. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounded like you. 
had an awful lot going on. We're, we're all real interest, interested in hearing about it. So could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into homesteading? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, we live in East Central West Virginia in a little rural kind of community. We have, uh, you know, homes around us and everything like that. So we're not out on, you know, acreage or anything. We're on about just a little more than a, a half an acre. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, our family is my husband, myself. We've been married for 26 years. And then our son is 24. We have a 22-year-old daughter and then an 8-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. So our older two kids are kind of putting one foot out in the world now. Our son works in a a city a little uh, ways away from us, about two hours away. And so he's still involved in a lot of the things on our homestead, but he's not at home continually. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, our older daughter is in college, so she's home during the summers and now and then. So she's still involved in everything. And then the eight-year-old is totally immersed in it. So. Um, we uh, live on, like I said, about a, a little more than a half an acre, and we've got a lot going on that small space. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, what, what led you down this path? Well, we started out, we came to homesteading, and, and really what I loved right off when I heard your first podcast that I came across was the whole spokes in the wheel thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, all of our wheels look different, and we've all got different spokes. Uh, we came to homesteading through living a frugal lifestyle. We had, um, my husband's always been the breadwinner and I've stayed at home and raised our kids and taking care of like the home thing. And in 2012, um, my husband faced a job loss. We saw it coming with some layoffs and a lot of uh, talk and everything. So we knew what was coming. And whenever we saw the layoffs happening and those kind of things, um, we decided, and really I have to say I decided, we're going to face this with some grace and, uh, you know, not go into this like with doom and gloom. So um, I kind of like looked at our finances and the way we were living and said, we have to stop being like everybody else. We have to stop living status quo <laughs> and we're going to have to make some pretty serious changes here. So we came to homesteading through frugal living. And um, I started like every evening after dinner, sitting down and making um, a college course almost out of looking for ways to save money, looking for ways to manage our finances better and, you know, what we could do to uh, get ourselves in, you know, a better place financially to face this job loss. Because we knew that I knew my husband would find work somewhere, but Mm -hmm. I knew that he would either be making a lot less money or he would be traveling and having to spend to be somewhere. And that's exactly what happened. He, uh, when he lost his job, he was laid off for a month. He found other work, but he had to live away from home. So it was like renting a place and, you know, those kind of things. But anyway, we um, we started finding a lot of things pointing us towards growing our own food, you know, as a, as a money-saving, mm-hmm. you know, idea. And from that, you know, I started reading about raised bed gardening, square foot gardening, composting, you know, all these kind of things. and uh, stopping at farmer's markets because we have, you know, just a little over half an acre. That's not a lot of land to grow tons of food on, or at least I didn't think so at the time. And then we didn't have tillers and tractors and things Mm -hmm. like that, and it costs money to have, you know, somebody to come and do that. So we went the raised bed route, and we the first summer we had one raised bed. We raised some things, and we were thrilled. We started shopping at farmer's markets, which led me to a local-ish farmer. Um, who I've gotten to be fast friends with. And um, she had grass-fed pastured meats for sale. And so I go up to her and I'm like, you know, what's the difference in the chicken you're selling and what I buy at the grocery store? Educate me. I don't know anything about this. So she starts telling me, you know, what the differences are about heritage breeds and pastured animals and nutrition and all these things. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just spiraled from there into more gardening, more you know, uh, raising our own animals. She was really the inspiration for us to start raising our own chicken, our own turkey. Mm -hmm. We don't have room on our land for big animals, but we can do chickens and turkeys, you know. (laughs) Right, right. So you kind of got into it out of uh, being frugal, and then it kind of led down a, it sounds like more of a healthy eating path even uh, with the the, uh, farm-raised meat and such. Yeah, that's a... That's a pretty common story, I think. But now, did you find that it did help you to be frugal and, and, and walk down that path? You know, 
it, it has in in some ways, and in other ways, mm-hmm. it's become, like you said, more of a health and more of a moral situation. Mm-hmm. Because, for instance, you know, I've had people say, well, how much money do you save raising your own, you know, meat birds, chickens, and turkeys? Oh, we don't save money doing that because, <laughs> you know, our, our chickens weigh out at about, uh, we, we raise red rangers, and our chickens weigh out at about five and a half pounds mm-hmm. each. Well, you know, if you were to want to buy a chicken for me, it'll cost you about $13 a chicken, you know, yeah, <laughs> if yeah. you want, you know, as far as covering the expense and everything. But, um, you know, now it's more of an issue of how we stand morally on that and then also the nutrition factor. Right. But on the other hand, we go buy tomatoes in bulk because we don't grow enough tomatoes to can, you know, we get uh, a few here and there and eating tomatoes during the summer, but we really don't... Um, raise enough to like, you know, can what we need. Last Mm -hmm. year, my older daughter and I put up, I think, 100 quarts of tomatoes. Mm. And so we go and buy that. Well, really, that is cheaper, Mm -hmm. you know, when you do the math than going and buying, you know, a few cans every time you're at the grocery store. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I find. Some some things you can save money doing, some things you can't. Some things actually cost you more, but but like you said, uh, it's a lot healthier and, and there's a there's a, a moral aspect to it as well, as far as just uh, just the ethics involved in raising meat in a, in that way. Exactly, and you know, I think it's a Joel Salatin that says, you know, have you priced cancer lately? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I know you have priced it, you know, and it's not cheap. And it's right. like, you know, uh, my husband and I were just discussing this recently about, you know, I'm 46 and he's 52. And so we're both healthy. We're not on, you know, any kind of medications or have any kind of chronic conditions or anything like that, you know, yet. So we're trying to cut that off at the pass, and we're trying to teach our children. And really, anybody who gets near me, you know, has to hear about it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's what my family was just saying earlier. Oh, you're going to talk to somebody else about this for a change instead of just us, you know. That's but, uh, you know, it's a health thing. And I'm into the herbal, you know, medicine thing now, too. Mm-hmm. And, uh you know, that's one of the things we really want to expand is how, you know, the different kinds of herbs we can forage and grow. And we're into foraging and hunting and, uh, like I said, sourcing from local people, farmers markets, you know, those kind of things, too. But as far as the frugal end of things went, there was a lot of household stuff. You know, everyone, when they go down the frugal path, they start making their own detergent, mm-hmm. their own cleaner. A lot of, you know, um, just, you know, health products. I mean, all those kind of things that you're, you know, you're uh, one of the meal stuff you need from day to day. I've replaced a lot of what we used to buy in cans, boxes, bottles, and bags. Mm-hmm. It's homemade products that, you know, are just really made out of simple materials for the yeah. most part. And real expensive, and, too. Uh, a lot of a budget can go there for sure. Exactly. Absolutely. And then, you know, you get into the health issue with that, too. I mean, I make mm-hmm. our family's deodorant, for instance. When you start looking into what's in, what are in the purse funds and things like that, it's scary. And what I find is, you know, we're all ignorant of those things until we get into something that leads us into this kind of path, this mm-hmm. lifestyle where we start thinking, oh, wait, I just took it for granted that's what you did. Right. You know, and so, yeah, it's, we've come at it from all angles. And whenever I was looking for ways to save money, the immediate money savings were the things I was most interested in right off the bat. Later, we got into, we did the Financial Peace University thing and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the whole managing your finances end of things. But at that point, we didn't have a whole lot to manage. And we knew we were going to have a whole lot less when my husband lost his job. Yeah. So, um, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're you're doing quite a bit. So you're gardening, you're raising chickens, you're making your old ho- your own uh, household uh, uh, items, um, herbal medicines. Is there anything else you're doing on your homestead? Uh, to be- oh my goodness, it seems like there's so much. Um, <laughs> you know, just to name a few things. <laughs> yeah, the gardening thing, the raised bed, and we have some in ground garden now too that we're expanding mm-hmm. a little bit at a time. So that whole thing, and then, you know, learning how to can, learning how to dehydrate. I had water bath cans a little bit, kind of like more for fun, and you know, it was interesting. Now it's like a serious thing, and I was telling someone the other day, our house is more a factory than a home sometimes, you know, because we've got all this, this equipment and things going. But, um, you know, the composting, we've gotten, you know, a little farther along on that. And uh, just so many things. Um, my husband built a simple greenhouse. And that's okay. helped to kind of lengthen our growing season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And uh, then we have a mini orchard where we have blueberries, raspberries, uh, apples, pears. We're trying our hand at figs and almonds, but in West Virginia, that's a little, you know, iffy and a little mm-hmm. harder to do, you know. And then my, my husband and son built a smokehouse so we can smoke meats and things like that. Oh. And uh, that is wonderful. That was one of the best additions to our homestead. Um, we have sort of we're in the middle of changing over to a wood heat system. Um, we have had propane heat since we lived in our home. We've lived there 25 years and um, always propane. Oh, it's so great. You just turn the dial and it's wonderful. And the truck comes and that's great. Now our thinking is what about when the truck can't come or mm-hmm. if you don't have the money for the truck to come. <laughs> so um, we have put in, you know, one wood burning stove this summer. We're planning on installing Actually, it's sitting on our deck ready to go, but we're, we're going to install the second wood burner, which will make the uh, propane become like the backup heat, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like. So now, so now you've now, okay, I'm going to follow the path here. We started out being frugal, we got us for being frugal, and we kind of went into the health aspects of it and, and the, the ethics right. part of it. And now we're like going down the preparedness path a little bit, I see. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's yeah. the whole thing. You know, I found you via YouTube. Mm-hmm. Whenever I am doing housework, which is a lot of the time, <laughs> and whenever I'm you know, doing dishes or whatever it is, and, um, you know, even I exercise every day when I'm doing that, I'm listening or watching YouTube videos, podcasts, things like that. Mm-hmm. And you kind of start as you get into this homesteader, you know, mindset. You know, I started out watching a couple of different, actually, whenever we got rid of our cable. And in the book, I talk about we dropped to like a, a small cable package and all this stuff. And then we finally bit the bullet and just said we don't want it anymore. So mm. we, we got Roku, you know, to watch yeah. Internet television. We found some Homesteader channels through that, and that led to YouTube, and it just, you know, spiraled from there. But there are a lot of YouTube channels that are homesteading, but some of them, the flavor is more prepper. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of it is more health. Some of it is more gardening intense, you know, those kind of things. And uh, I love it all. And it's really, you know, my husband's a leader of our home, but this has kind of been, this effort has been spearheaded. You know, I'm like, here's what we're doing next. We're making cheese. We're making candles. (laughs) We're going to do this. My family is kind of like, okay, are we? You know, (laughs) but like, what is she going to do next? But, um, that's great. Yeah. You know, it's, (laughs) It's all over the place now, you know, and, you know, it's like beans, bullets, and band-aids. I'm like, we need to see what kind of balance we've got here with preparedness. And, you know, not even for some kind of a a big, you know, government shutdown Mm -hmm, or something like that. But in West Virginia, we have wind storms, we have electrical storms in the winter, we have heavy snows, ice storms, things that knock out power. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years ago, we had a windstorm in the summer that, you know, knocked out power in our little town, and it was like a ghost town. It was scary looking. And even our water system, you know, our public water system was, you know, in, in danger there for a while. Like, if we don't get some generators and some things in here to get this water going, we're going to run out, you know, water's going to be shut mm-hmm. off. So uh, we have uh, really kind of taken on that preparedness mindset, too. Mm-hmm. You know, for times like that, you know, yeah, extended I, times of no power. Anytime I get with somebody who who kind of just says, "Oh, so you're a prepper, huh?" and they they kind of say it with that negative tone, you know, and and right. you know, it's right. to me, it's never about that. It's about being responsible. You know, if you want to take care of your family and, and 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 be not in a position that it's a burden on other people or or even could cause harm to your family, it's just a responsible thing to do to be somewhat prepared for even the simplest of disasters. Absolutely, that's exactly how we feel. Of course, we're not prepared for some, you know, horrible something that lasts, you know, on and on. Yeah. But, you know, we've got, you know, we, we've got a lot in place so that, and I know even just a little like, you know, um, ice storms and power outages and things like mm-hmm. that. There was a time when something expensive, we would not have been prepared. And not only that, but we would not have had the mindset. We wouldn't have, you know, um, my husband... He's a little bit more, he probably would have been more prepared than me because he's a hunter and he's kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, more of a backwoodsman type, you know, person. I grew up, and let me tell you, people that hear that I'm raising chickens and doing these things, even seven or eight years ago, if you would have said, you're going to run chicken tractors in your front yard, I would have called you a liar. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was raised, I didn't even have pets, you know, I didn't know anything about animals, was not interested. 
my parents were raised, my mom raised, was raised on a farm. And she and my dad were married in the 50s. And she says, you know, I couldn't wait to get off the farm and, like, go shop at the grocery store and have things easier. <laughs> and now she says that I'm turning into her mother, you know, because I'm always with the apron canning and, you know, dehydrating and freezing. And the herb thing is real big with me now. Um, I do a lot of foraging for herbs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not, I'm not against Western medicine. Thank God for it. It's wonderful. I just think it's reached for too quickly and too often. Yeah, that's that's exactly and how I for, feel about it as well, too. It's got some. There's some good there, and, and a lot of good gets accomplished through it. But yeah, we're way too too quick to jump to that. I think. Right. Exactly. So you know, we have a lot of we treat our minor illnesses and things like that. And I find that as we've changed our eating, we don't get ill as much. It seems like our mm-hmm. immune systems and. That's one thing I'm real big on is anything that can build your immune system, I think, should be in your diet just constantly, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, one of the things that we're moving towards as far as eating right now is more greens. And this winter, I want to set up, you know, we were discussing this at dinner yesterday. I'm like, guess what we're doing this winter? You know, I've watched the old Alabama Gardeners, one of my favorite gardening intense YouTube channels. And, you know, he does the uh, gutter system for growing mm-hmm. lettuce like in his basement with the grow lights and everything and um, i would like to try that this winter so we could have greens because where we live we're in this rural town with one grocery store and as a matter of fact we kind of know the family that owns that grocery store and you can say well you know i wish they would get more of this and more of that and you know carry kohlrabi and all these things they can't do that when they can't sell it mm-hmm. and you know as most of us in the homesteading community understand most people, I would say, they don't even understand, you know, the importance of nutrition or what is nutritious. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, we spend a lot of our life eating out of boxes, cans, and bags, and, and we still do some of that. You know, we haven't perfected it by any means, but, um, you know, like I said, I think the greens are really important. I think they're uh, one of the most important things that we can add into our diet. That's not something we can get here in January in West Virginia. Right. So, um, and especially in a rural town, you know. And so, you know, it's something that I want to incorporate. I'd like to be able to, you know, to try doing that. And, you know, my son says, Mom wills things to be. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, so success is pretty important to me whenever I get started on one of these projects, you know. Um, well, let me I ask you this. A few minutes ago, you mentioned that you, you're getting into foraging quite a bit for your herbal medicines and stuff. Now, now, how how have you learned that? Is, is someone showing you how to, to pick the right things? Are you learning from books, videos? How are you learning to forage? Well, I'm glad you asked me that because I can give a little shout out to my grandmother, my mom's mom. And um, she left this list of herbal remedies that I always kept. And it meant so much to me because it was in her handwriting, that kind of thing. But as we got started in this, and this was one of the first things that, I don't know, it just kind of spoke to me, like I was reading her herbal remedies one day, and I'm like, you know, there's just something about that that I'm drawn to. And uh, so she was kind of, you know, my inspiration for that. Mm -hmm. I've always been a little bit interested in how that all works. But like you pointed out, you know, how do you get to learn it? And I've had people ask me, how can you tell, how how do you learn this? It has been through reading a lot of books. Um, I find it very valuable to get with somebody else who can show you, hey, that's Mullen, hey, that's, you know, whatever. And, um, yeah, I've collected a lot of books. And there again, you know, with the frugal thing, well, if you're frugal, should you be out buying books about foraging? Well, it's really important to us. And instead of, you know, paying for table, we buy books about foraging. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I have a lot of people, you know, talk about that. They're interested in foraging, but they're, they're everybody's always, you know, a little iffy about, well, should I pick that or is that the right, right. thing? Or especially when it comes to mushrooms, right. especially people oh, are really yeah. touchy about that. And people always ask, you know, what's the best way to learn? And I, I do point people out, well, if you can find somebody local that can show you that does this, that's the best way because then you get hands-on experience with yeah. somebody who knows what they're doing. And then, Absolutely. There's also books and videos and, and other ways too, but right. well, there's no there's right. no replacing that really, you know, getting one on one experience with somebody that knows what they're doing with that. Exactly, and I point that out. I share a lot of herbal, you know, like different herbs that I'm using and, and um, things that I forage and grow and everything. And I'll say, you know, always make sure if you're going to use books, cross reference between several books mm-hmm. because some of them have drawings, some of them have pictures, some have better information than others. 
And so, you know, normally if I'm going to go buy a book, I cross-reference between several things. And I find it so just wonderful, really, that the first year that I got interested in herbs, and this is, or, or interested in foraging a lot and drying them and keeping them, was a couple of years ago, and I had I asked my husband to let a little patch of our yard that spring. I'm like, right here, I'm just going to put like four stakes, let that grow up like to weeds. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what are you doing now? You know, so I let that grow up, and there's all these things. You know, we look at our grass when we go out for a lawnmower and mow it down, and that's just grass. But when you let that grow up, you see, no, that's plantain, mm-hmm. that's peel, that's red clover, whatever. And uh, a lot of things like that that are growing in people's yards that are medicine and food. And I think that's part of the prepper mentality, too, that if you're out somewhere and you're, you know, two weeks from nowhere or whatever and something happens, you need to know that yard stops bleeding or whatever, you know. Planting will draw out toxins, those kind of things. So that, you know, because, you know, if something happens and we're, we're, you know, left on our own in an on-our-own situation, you know, we're not going to have the uh, pharmacies and that kind of thing, or even the grocery stores. So one of the best preps, I think, is to know how to forage and know what's edible and how to use something as medicine, at least in a pinch like that, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and some of that stuff um, works better than what you would buy at a pharmacy or something. I mean, I find that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah, use plantain absolutely. for a bug bite or something like that. I mean, it works as good yeah. or not better than anything you're going to get over the counter. Absolutely, and it's right there, you know, at your fingertips for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, plantain grows in the cracks of sidewalks, you know. Right. And, uh, you know, everywhere I'm at now, and my husband even mentioned this. We were driving down the interstate the other day, and he's like, you know, when, like, you're looking for deer or you're looking for something that he's a hunter, he's, you get that crick in your neck from looking out one side <laughs> of the vehicle, you know, for miles. And he's right. like, now I'm doing it looking for mullen and, you know, all these different things or <laughs> whatever it is. And I can't believe the amount of things, like I said, that were growing right in our yard. And even right. like we have yucca plants. Well, I had tried to mow them down with the lawnmower years ago because I thought, well, what is this? You know, mm-hmm. and didn't realize that that's food, that that is, um, you know, you can make soap out of the root. I mean, there's so many oh. things that you can do with a simple plant that you find everywhere around here, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. And, um, and I think yeah. that's that's one of them homesteading skills that a lot of people want to want to learn, and a lot of folks are, are afraid of it. But it is, I think it's truly yeah. one of the most valuable skills you can learn as a homesteader. Absolutely. I agree completely. And my son, he's real handy and crafty and everything. He built me a, an herb drying rack. So I have this, mm. you know, neat thing that I can, in an upright situation where I've got things hanging, you know, just drying all the time, putting things back, you know, so that mm-hmm. we have these things, um, you know, at our fingertips and I can make things out of them. And you wouldn't believe the times just for simple, you know, little aches and pains and whatever, little scrapes and bruises and things like that, that I have used these herbal remedies. And like you said, they work sometimes a lot better and, you know, nature's got all the constituents. I mean, when you take a, you know, you dandelion for something, you're not just pulling one thing out and synthesizing that. And then it's a little bit dangerous at that point sometimes. You know, it's got all the buffers in it that you need, you know, for your body to assimilate that mm-hmm. without making you sick and having side effects and things. You always have to have caution. And like you said, you know, people are a little bit afraid. And I was too, you know, and honestly, when I find something new, I always try to myself first before yeah. I let, you know, anybody else in my family use it. Yeah, or anything, but, yeah. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> guinea pig. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm always like, I'll, I'll have a little of this and if it doesn't kill me, you got to use it or whatever. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> but really it's been great. And no. it's just led, you know, the whole path. We have learned so many different skills. You know, I was thinking about even roasting coffee beans. I mean, you know, we went to a farmer's market, the same market that I met the lady with the chickens, and that started the whole – she started telling me about documentaries, and I started watching the documentaries, and we learned about Joel Salatin. We went and visited Polyface, and my son actually yeah. earned an apprenticeship there and couldn't do it because of his work. He was just starting into oh, wow. the workforce and really couldn't say, I need time off immediately. But um, he got to spend a couple of days there. You know, they do like mm. part of their apprenticeship, um, the way that they choose is you go and you do like a two-day work stint and then, you know, they narrow it down. But, uh, you know, Joel was doing wonderful things there. 
and uh, you know you find all these wonderful things. But whenever we were at the farmers market, I love coffee. We're big coffee drinkers, and there was a family roasting coffee beans and selling them, you know, there. And you know, of course, it's expensive. It's you know uh, awesome, but you know a little bit out of our budget. So I started thinking, like, why can't I do that? Well, I YouTube it, and it's like, oh, that's the easiest thing on earth, you know. <laughs> but I wouldn't have thought it was something horribly complicated, you know, that mm-hmm. your average person can't do. And uh, that's another little thing that, you know, I, I've learned to do that we roast, we buy coffee beans in bulk, we roast our own. Um, just so many things like that. I just got into soap making recently. And there again, I thought, oh, wow, you know, no, I'm afraid of that, can't, can't go there, you know, whatever. Now, you know, it's the most simple, easy thing in the world and just absolutely wonderful. I've got about a hundred bars of soap put back for winter now. Yeah. And, you That's, know, so <laughs> it's funny how we're all we're afraid of everything we try until we do it the first, you know, the first time. And then we're like, well, that wasn't too bad at all. I, I know the first time you ever, most people use a pressure canner. They're scared to death of a pressure canner. And then it just becomes second nature to them. And it's uh, they get so used to it. Absolutely. It's not scary Absolutely. at all. I was afraid. And I remember my husband, we don't have cable. And there was some big game on and he was going to my mother's house. He and my son and. Uh, the girls that I actually went to, they're not sports fans, but they went out to visit grandma and they're like, okay, we're going to go out to the moms. And I'm like, okay, I'm using this for the first time. You might want to call and check on me, you know, <laughs> make sure I didn't, you know, blow myself up. Wow. But like you said, you know, now we, you know, it's no big deal at all. And I don't have to go and consult the directions and the books mm-hmm. and all that. The things that we can the most, I know how to do now. And, you know, people think that, I think people sell themselves short, and when they look at homesteading as a whole, they think, "Oh, that's too much. I just can't." But start, start with one yeah. thing. You know, what, whatever, whether you come to it for health reasons or whether you come to it for frugal reasons or whatever it is, start somewhere. And one know? thing's for sure: if you start, you won't. It won't just be for one thing. You'll do just like I did and you did and every other homesteader I know. Yes. You'll start going down a whole bunch of paths, and you'll love it. Yeah, <laughs> that's just the way it is. Yes, I, absolutely. My husband says it's like an addiction. You uh-huh. can't, you know, you can't quit. It's wonderful. And it's such a real, I think it's such a real lifestyle and mm-hmm. so honest. I mean, I was raised going to the grocery store. I was just telling my husband this morning, you know, if you would have asked me when I was a little kid, where does food come from? Of course I knew that it grew, you know, from somewhere. But I would have said, well, you go to the grocery store and get it. Mm. You know, now if you would ask my eight-year-old, where does food come from? She would point out our front window and say, right there in the yard or whatever. That's awesome. And yeah. that's a wonderful thing, too. We're homeschooling our eight-year-old. Our other two kids went to public school. They did great. Um, our son's college graduate. Our daughter is uh, going to be a senior this year in college. And so, you know, they're working their way through, and they did fine. But that. You know, that was kind of the problem. It was your average experience where our eight-year-old is getting to really experience everything. And I feel like I'm getting to educate her more widely on different yeah. subjects. She knows as much about herbs as I do. I say, you're learning right said, along with her, aren't you? <laughs> absolutely. And we'll be out in the yard and I'm like, you know, and they're not always quite as interested. You know, if you're around little kids and gardening and things, it's like, you know, they'll plant one row of something and then go play. And I think that's fine as long as they're, you know, you know, as they get older, they'll find their place. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm constantly telling my girls with the herbs, you know, and my son's pretty interested, too. He's not around as much while I'm doing those kind of things. But I'll tell him, you know, I know you're not completely into this like I am, but one day you may need to know this. And I want you to have an idea of how this all goes. But my um, eight-year-old can tell you, if you said, you know, this hurts, that hurts, I have a fever, a headache, whatever, she can tell you. <laughs> She'll prescribe an herb for you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, and if they don't appreciate that now, they will at some point in their life. Because I know there's a lot of things right. my mom and dad taught me when I was a little kid and didn't care about them at all back then. But now you go, wow, right. I'm glad I know that, you know. So Absolutely. Sure I lost my dad late 2015 to ALS and we watched him, you know, really just have a bad last couple of years of his life. And I think now we planted popcorn this year. We have never tried to grow with anything. So far, it seems like it's doing great. And, uh, you know, I thought about him as I was planting that popcorn, I, you know, he was with me saying, okay, this is how you do it, you know. 
And I was a little kid thinking, yeah, I want to go over to my swing set and play or whatever. But I'm so glad that, you know, that I paid enough attention to keep some of that with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think now we were just getting into this, you know, because like I said, it started out more with the saving money and the frugal and those kind of things and household stuff to begin with. And uh, he was not able to come out the first year we raised chickens and chicken tractors. I think he was a little bit doubtful, like, uh, you're going to raise chickens, you know? <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm going to try. But, you know, he got to, we filmed everything, you know, whenever we did the butchering and all that stuff, we filmed it so we could show it to him because he was bed oh, wow. at that point. And he got to see all that. And I'm thinking if he was here today, he would be, you know, uh, almost 80 years old running chicken tractors in the reality, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Because, that's yeah. great. Well, it sounds like you got a lot going on, but now let me ask you this. Now, you mentioned your book earlier. I mentioned your book, too. Uh, uh, I picked it up uh, last week. Um, really good read. I enjoyed it. What made you want to write a book? Well, the reason I wanted to write the book was because when we first went frugal, whenever we got interested in that kind of a lifestyle, um, I read a lot of books. I read a lot of uh, blogs. I was searching any information I could find for anything, you know, just mm-hmm. any anywhere. And um, the books that helped me the most were the ones written by, you know, your average person like me. They weren't polished. They weren't edited. They weren't, Mm -hmm. you know, perfect diction or grammar or whatever. Um, But these people had been through similar situations to us and said, look, here's how you can save money right now. Or here's how you can cut down on Mm -hmm. the groceries or the whatever. And, uh, And that was one of the first, you know, places we we really wanted to cut back was groceries. And it's funny now, that's the last place that we save money, (laughs) you know, but I really wanted to write the book so that people that were facing times like we were facing could have some information from someone who'd been there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they could, I think you can kind of feel like in the book that, you know, yeah, she did this and she knows Mm -hmm. this works or, you know, I feel like that was the best information I got. I mean, I read a lot of books, and some of them were, you know, like um, polished, edited, you know, popular right. books. But yeah. a lot of them were by people that nobody, you know, just knows their, their story. Name. Yeah, just the story, their story, how they got how they got started or what they were doing. And yeah, that's what I got Absolutely. from your book as well. And I thought it was real helpful. It was real encouraging. Uh, and uh, you do tell your story of how you, why you got into it and, and what the kind of things you're doing. It sounds like you're doing more now than what you were doing when you wrote the book. Uh, absolutely. And, absolutely. Uh, I, I really yeah. enjoyed it. I, it how, when, what, when did you write that? Um, let's see. I published it, it was published the first day or two of 2016. So okay. I kind of got writing on it in 2015 ish. Okay. So you and, probably came a uh, long ways in a couple of years then, haven't you? Absolutely. <laughs> And the sequel is in the making, but, you know, summertime, all of the paperwork and those kind of things stop, uh-huh. and I don't have a lot of time, computer time, that kind of thing. Like I said, I carry, you know, a device with me and, you know, Kindle or whatever and listen to podcasts. As a matter of fact, I was on the treadmill when I found your first podcast, and, you know, I go about an hour and a half a day on the treadmill, so I was like, you know, just going through a list of them and, you know, loving it. And, uh, but yeah, I plan on getting back to work on the sequel. And it will be uh, sort of a and then what happened type mm-hmm. of book. And the whole gist of it will really be it'll be more centered around homesteading because that's the direction we've taken. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, you know, the so, whole the whole homesteading thing. <laughs> so so you have a future book in, in the works here soon. What else do you have going on? Did you I thought you said something about maybe some courses or something you were gonna try to Yeah, absolutely. I'm planning on uh, doing an online course. Uh, starting it this fall, too, uh, we'll get back into my daughter's homeschooling, and so I'll get back into my schooling, too. But I'm planning on taking a course to become a certified uh, clinical herbalist. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is an online thing, and it's kind of a go-at-your-own-pace. And I've actually looked at several courses to see what fit me best and, you know, what um, course I thought I would get the most out of. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to start that because I would like to, I feel like I've got all this information about herbs and herbal medicine and everything, but I need it organized. You know, I need to know um, a little more how to, how to look at things and sort of diagnose, you know, what's going on and that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. that's something that I'm planning on doing. And I'm, I'm assuming it's a go at your own pace and usually my pace is pretty quick. 
But sometimes family obligations and things come up and stop you in the middle of things right. like that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll see. But hopefully by spring, I'm hoping to have that done. I'm hoping to have the book, you know, maybe by next spring. Um, because like I said, it's in the works, but I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> so those are a couple of things I'll be working on all winter when things slow down after, you know, canning season and firewood and all that. <laughs> now, you uh, you said earlier you were doing some filming for uh, some of the things you were doing. Do you have a YouTube channel or anything where folks can see anything? I you're don't. Doing? I don't. Oh, you have to work uh, on that? A, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've had a couple of people ask me about that. And, uh, yeah, I that's something that I would consider. It really mm-hmm. is. Uh, we have a YouTube handle or, you know, a name right, that yeah. because, you know, the comment and things you have to – and our uh, our personality on YouTube is Rushing Homestead, and that is what we call our homestead is Rushing. And okay. uh, you know that kind of started because you know whenever we were starting to need some infrastructure for you know chickens and different things like that, you know there's a guy on YouTube called Jane Alvira, and he's from mm-hmm. Southern Ohio, and I always loved you know we quote him all the time. He's like you know when I'm going to build something. I've got to go source these materials, you know, cheaply, and it takes a long time, and I can't just feel like, when I'm going to build a barn, I can't call the barn dude. And, you know, I'm always saying, we can't call the barn dude, you know, to come <laughs> just build us a barn. We have to do things on a budget, and we have to do things, you know, so that it's uh, allowing for all the other things that have to be done, too. So um, my husband had found this really great deal in some rough-hewn lumber, and we built a smokehouse out of it. We built our woodshed all these different things, and we're sourcing stuff from all over. So our homestead is not better homes and gardens. It's not beautiful. I mean, it's mm-hmm. beautiful to us because we know what's coming from it. Right. But, you know, no one's going to come take pictures and say, look how perfect and beautiful. It's rough-hewn, and, and I'm kind of a rough-hewn person. You know, I'm like, it's not beautiful. It just gets the job done. You know? More, more, <laughs> more about the function, yeah, getting out yes, of what you need to get absolutely. done. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I like Jane Zero too. He's a, he's a very real guy. I've watched that YouTube channel quite a bit. He's, he's I like him. Absolutely. You know, he's so real. And mm-hmm. really what hooked me with him was, you know, I was looking, you know, when I find a channel, I'll, I'll have, you know, um, suggested videos or whatever on, on YouTube for things like you've been watching. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I saw the dedication he had for his wife when she was ill, as a matter of fact, the hospital that his wife, he mentioned where she goes to the hospital is where my son works. And, uh, of course, that was years before he started there. But he, um, you know, his dedication to his wife and her health and her, um, you know, her recovery and those kind of things, you know, that's really what that means. That meant a lot to me. That's kind of what hooked me on going back for more Mm -hmm. with this channel. And then it's just, you know, I I like that he does things frugally um, Mm -hmm. and that and his attitude about how he goes about, you know, building their infrastructure and adding things as he can and those kind of mm. things. But, but I'm telling I, you. I, I like him because he don't try to impress anybody. He's just doing his thing and he's sharing it. And <laughs> I love that about the guy. Absolutely. And yeah. that's, that's us too. I've had people come to me and especially about the herbal thing. It's funny. I don't have people calling me saying, help me get a chicken tractor going in my front yard. You know, that's people are not as turned on to that where I'm at, mm. but you know, the herbal thing, I have so many people, it's been surprising. I just started putting up, you know, a picture of like Mullen or a picture of, you know, whatever, Lobelia, something. And they're like, what would it help? What would that do? Where can I find it? And they're, you know, filling my inbox with asking me questions. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm assuming that people are tired of being prescribed medicines that they're told, you're going to take this for the rest of your life and you're never going to get well. They're going to keep being sick. Mm-hmm. You right. know, so we would go to buy a product and they would say this doesn't work would you please buy it from me you know mm-hmm. <laughs> we would never do that and i think that's been the big response you know with the, with the herb thing and uh but yeah there's so many channels on there and like i said we started out with like the frugal thing living on a dime was one of the channels that we watched a lot to mm-hmm. begin with and uh that's a whole you know saving money frugal you know that kind of thing and then it's just blossomed out into uh into the farming and especially, you know, small animals and that kind of thing. We can't have anything large yet. One of the um, things that we would like to do is buy a little more land near us to expand mm-hmm. a little bit. But we never have the goal of we're not trying to market garden or sell meat or anything like that. Our idea mostly is to feed ourselves 
And mm-hmm. we do that. I mean, we're, we're growing all of our own, um, we're raising all of our own um, chicken, turkey, and then we source beef and pork. We don't eat a whole lot of pork, but beef and pork from local places or local-ish, as local-ish as we can, and those kind of things, and, and keep them in the freezer full of those things. And then my husband and son hunt, too. So, yeah. you know, they uh, source meats that way. And then the whole foraging thing, the gardening, it's just, I think that with the gardening, too, that I feel about gardening like some people feel about uh, foraging. I'm like, I have no idea what a tomato needs. I don't know how to grow green beans. And even now, when we try new things, I'm like, okay, this is another learning experience because uh-huh. I have no idea what I'm doing here. <laughs> yeah. Well, every time but, I think I've got a handle on it, some year will trip me up. Like this year, the pests have just been horrible. So I've been, you know, battling insects like crazy this year, like worse than absolutely. I've ever had of. And, and you just, as a gardener, it's just, you're facing new things all the time. I like the challenge, but also like to eat good. And, <laughs> you know, so. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. I've noticed that too, that we've had a lot of deals and things like that. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's, you're constantly having to change your game up a little mm-hmm. bit. And, you know, I'm learning so much more that, you know, the natural route. And I understand, you know, the draw to try, you know, to the chemicals and that because yeah. it's just like, it's like synthetic medicine. It's like take it and the pain mm-hmm. goes away immediately or right. whatever. But the same thing with the, you know, synthetic, you know, fertilizers and pesticides and things. But we've, We've chosen to go, you know, the organic route, and it's amazing to me what I've learned about, like, compost. Mm-hmm. When we first, you know, started a compost pile, and I said, that's about the only risque thing that was in my book, if you want to call it that. <laughs> you know, my, my husband was like, we're going to have this, you know, big pile of junk in, you know, the middle of our yard. <laughs> and he was a little, like, iffy about that. And I'm like, no, we're going to yeah. have a big pile of junk at the bottom of our yard. You know? I, I laughed <laughs> when I read that in your book. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> He seemed really concerned about that, yeah. (laughs) And I think you can tell from talking to me, I'm like, I got this idea. Let's go do it right now. You know, I'm real like, (laughs) let's get on this. And the the good thing, I've always been a little bit afraid of failure, and I think homesteading has changed that for me because now I know there's going to be failure sometimes. Mm -hmm. If you have livestock, there'll be dead stock sometimes. Um, You know, if you grow tomatoes, not all of them are going to produce and be wonderful or whatever. And even like with our greenhouse and things like that, I've had to learn what grows in a greenhouse. I mean, the first year I planted spinach in it and it bolted like in a day, you know, Mm, not good. I started it too late, got hot, you know, and where to position things. And and then like the watering systems, I am so grateful that we don't have to depend on like city water for watering because for one thing that's expensive. And for another thing, we don't want the chemicals Mm -hmm. and, um, so we uh, installed a water system. I think in the book I talk about my husband and son built this little, it was out of like, I don't know, 30-gallon garbage cans or something, yeah. and it was this whole water catchment thing, which was, it was good. But then we expanded to these IBC totes, and now mm-hmm. we've got, you know, several hundred gallons of, you know, capacity to hold water. So we water our gardens with that, and that mm-hmm. works out great. And I think... Every time it rains now, and I think, oh, it's filling up our, you know, our tanks. And, you know, uh, my son has a funny story. He even said to his girlfriend one day, it started raining. It was raining for days. And, and she was like, oh, this rain. And he's like, yeah, well, mom and dad's tanks will be getting full. And she's like, tanks? Hey, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, you know, because we have our tanks plumbed to um, our toilets. So we flush yeah. with rainwater. And that's pretty cool too. And that cut our water bill in half. So, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah, we talked about that in the <laughs> Facebook groups the other day. And people were asking you about that. That's pretty, that's pretty interesting. Why yeah, waste absolutely. your decent water out of your well when you can just use the rainwater to do that? Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. I know somebody said, you know, is it expensive? I've seen all these plans for these expenses. And I'm like, no, the only thing, you know, ours is not gravity fed. So we had to have a pump. And that was the most expensive part of it, which mm. paid for itself. In the first two water bills that we saved money, yeah. And well, so, why, yeah. why did you why did you have to go that route? Is there a reason for that, or did you well, go gravity gravity really, fed, or we just weren't sure how to go about and make sure we were successful. And then the way our plumbing set up in our home mm. that was going to be an issue because one end of our house is pretty low to the ground, and okay. you know my husband's not a plumber, so he's like, I'm not sure. 
So we ended up buying a, a, a pump, like, you know, a camper, like would use to bring the, mm-hmm. you know, call yeah. for the water and bring it up. So I think it was $150. And mm-hmm. like I said, our water bill went from like $125 a month to something like 70 Mm. And uh, so in a couple of you know water bills, we paid for this this pump, and that's been uh, about three years ago, something like okay. that. And then we have all of this water storage for watering our gardens and everything, too, which has been wonderful, not only to save money and all this stuff, but also carrying five-gallon buckets of water, not much fun. <laughs> no, no, wouldn't be. <laughs> I'm all for fitness, but, you know, it's like that's a little much, you know. Yeah, and our stay off the treadmill and just do that. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, we I call it Earth Gym. You know, I'm like, I'm using Earth Gym. Uh-huh. And in the summer, I do do that a lot. You know, it's like we live on a hill, too. So our if you were going to look for a homestead, you know, if you were out, you know, on a Sunday thinking, where would I like to, you know, homestead, you wouldn't pick where we live. That's another, you know, Another thing I'd like to really point out is, like, bloom where you're planted, you know? And I think right. you talked about that in one mm-hmm. of your podcasts where you're like, you know, you and your family had thought, one of these days we'll move out to the country yeah. and we'll do this and that. Life circumstances changed, and you're like, we're going to start doing this now, you know, yeah, in yeah, whatever scale you can uh, do it on. That's definitely my anthem. That's what I, I sing every day because it's like, yeah, you don't, you can wait for tomorrow forever, you know, but you can get started yeah. right where you're at and just do what you can do right where you're at. And it's amazing what you can do right where you're at. If you're waiting for an ideal situation, you could be waiting a very long time. You're right. You're exactly right. And that's why I said I'm 46. My husband's 52. You know, he used to say one of these days, one of these days. And mm-hmm. I'm famous for saying to my husband, this is one of those days. This mm-hmm. is the days we were talking about 20 years ago. Yep. You know, we've been married for 26 years and we started out like, oh, you know. And as a matter of fact, we took a walk this morning and I'm like, what did we used to talk about before we started homesteading? Because <laughs> we're like, you know, well, next year we're going to do this variety of whatever. I mean, I tasted my first fresh beet last week. I had never oh, wow. eaten. When I was at home, my mom was 1950-some, you know, and, of course, I was born in the 70s. But um, housewife where it was, you know, uh, stovetop instead of potatoes, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. And she always cooked hot meals for us. But it was a lot of boxes and cans and bags mm-hmm. because that's what you did then. And uh, so I had only ever tasted a beet from a can. Mm. And I thought they tasted like dirt. And that was all I could taste, and I thought they were terrible. So we pulled some beets. I was actually thinning them, and I wanted the greens mostly. But there was a few little small beets. I'm like, okay, I'm going to throw this in the mix because I'm a foodie. I love to cook. Mm-hmm. And everyone's always like, oh, you're, you know, you're a good cook, and we love to come to your house and eat. And I'm like, oh, I hate this. Why did I start this? <laughs> but, but I tried that first fresh beet, and I'm like, this doesn't taste anything like what comes mm-hmm. and I realize now I can taste the can when I eat something out of the can. I can yep. taste that can yep. what used to be. I just thought that's what everything tasted like. Mm-hmm. But the fresh foods, I mean I've become a tomato lover, which I used to hate. And it was because I had eaten grocery store tomatoes. Yeah, those are two completely like, different things, aren't they? <laughs> a garden raised tomato and a store tomato. They it's not even the same thing. Not at all. No, it isn't. Absolutely nutrition wise or flavor. You know. Right, right. It's funny because, you know, my whole adult life or even teenage life I was always in you know, dieting and, you know, worried about all this stuff and and whenever I would diet, I would go buy diet food in boxes and bags and cans from the store and, you know, whatever the newest thing was, like low fat or whatever it was. And now I realize that, I mean, good nutrition, that's that's the best diet. Mm-hmm. If you fill up on things out of the garden and things, you know, even, I mean, if you choose to eat meat, grass-fed meat, you know, things you're going out and hunting for that are lean those kind of things, you're not going to need a diet. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yep. it's just, it's wonderful. Well, it sounds like you've got uh, a ton going on and, 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 and maybe a few other things uh, in the works for the future. Right. And uh, absolutely. I can tell you, you seriously have a heart for homesteading and, and a heart to, uh, to uh, 
help others to homestead as well. I mean, I see that through the book and, and just the encouragement. You talk about you know, helping people any way you can and get started or whatever. And I think that's awesome, you know. And, and I just think that folks ought to get your book for sure because uh, it's really encouraging. It's a great testimony of what you kind of did to get started and, and how it worked out for you. I'm going to put a link to that book in the show notes for this episode. It's Countercultural Rebel with a Cause. That's an interesting title. How would you come up with that? Well, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, counterculture kind of meant something a little bit different, you mm-hmm. know. It, you think of back to the landers and, you know, and mm-hmm. hippies and that kind of thing. And I jokingly call myself a hippie. And people will say they have a different idea of that and say, you're not a hippie, you know. And I'm like, well, I'm a new age hippie, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the reason that I chose that title was because we're living counter to culture. And mm-hmm. to me, in our life, it's because we don't shop Walmart. Mm-hmm. We don't, um, you know, we grow, we have chicken tractors instead of a beautiful lawn. I mean, we used to just pride ourselves on mowing our yard and it looked so pretty and there were, you know, there was nothing obstructing the view or anything. And my husband was always, oh, don't do this because then I'll have to mow around it. Now we've got like, you know, 20 raised beds and um, a greenhouse and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of ugly structures even, you know. And it's like, you know, chicken tractors in the front yard and uh, different things like that. It's counter to culture. Yeah. And, you know, we, we treat our little minor bumps and bruises and illnesses and things with what God gave instead of, you know, what man gave. And uh, that's becoming what is countercultural. Yeah. I, I asked that question like, because of that, because I know even just me. I mean, I just garden and raise a little bit of my own meat and people seem blown away by that and fascinated yeah. by that like it's something odd like i'm the yeah. one doing something that's so different when it's really the way i think things should be you know and 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 Absolutely. that is these days it's considered countercultural, and and that's it why really i kind of ask you about it because it's just to yeah. me it's just completely twisted it's backwards you know uh yes it Absolutely. shouldn't be countercultural. <laughs> no no exactly that should be you know the, the norm and it mm-hmm. used to be the norm yeah right. and i kind of feel like you know, we've gotten lazy as a culture and as a society. And of course, that's not everybody, but you know, it's, we go to the, you know, food comes from the grocery store. Um, you know, medicine comes from the pharmacy and, you know, I'll say, you know, I'll, I had a little cut or scrape or something. I just grab some yarrow and you know, chew it up and spit poultice, whatever it is, or mm-hmm. something like that. And it's like, you know, Oh, will you get an infection or something? It's like, no, that won't <laughs> help me to not get one. But, right. you know, it, the things our grandmothers and great-grandmothers, my mom came from a family of 10 kids, and they lived on, I don't know, it was a huge, big amount of land. My grandpa uh, worked, he was a coal miner. Most of the men in my family had been coal miners, were from West Virginia. <laughs> and uh, he would go and, you know, maybe walk miles to work, work his shift, walk miles home. And then, you know, they had the kids there to help with a lot of the farm chores, but he had all that going on they had cattle at different times they had horses they had you know of course chickens and you know different times they had hogs whatever and uh, you know they were a farming family and I can remember you know my grandmother even in my days growing up back in the late 70s and 80s you know she had like herbs tied up in little bundles behind Mm -hmm. the wood stove or out on the you know one of the porches or something and I remember thinking, like, how interesting that was and how different that was because we would go to grandma's and then come home and, you know, take the lid off the Tylenol bottle if you had a headache or whatever. And I'm like, it's so different over there. Yeah. And then and I found It was out, so normal for their generation, though. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's funny because, like I said, my parents were married in the late 50s, and it was kind of like we're going to get loose from this hard way of life. Mm-hmm. And I understand it is, it's a lot of work. I mean, what I do now, I mean, what we do to have chicken on the table is not just run out to the grocery store, you know, right. but it's like the tomatoes. It's a different thing. It's not the same food. It's not, it doesn't taste the same. Mm-hmm. The nutrition, I can't believe the energy and the, you know, the change in our health and none of us were mm-hmm. really even sick or anything, but it's just the change in energy levels and, uh, I think a lot of the problems we have health-wise as a society are are mostly because of diet, I would say. Yes, 
Not a doctor, but it just seems so obvious to me as a person who changed his diet and felt the difference and and seen it in his own life. You know, I mean, I I realize the difference there is in that. And it just makes me just kind of realize that there is a real issue there with with the, the food. Right. I have a niece that's a dentist, and I asked her recently, of the cases that you come, you know, that come to see you, how, what kind of percentage is, you know, problems that you feel are from a bad diet? And she was like, you know, almost all of them, you know, mm-hmm. especially in, like, you know, young kids and that kind of thing where, I mean, we're feeding our kids these sugars and, and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's, like I said, we still, you know, we still have some of that in our diet. Mm-hmm. But and that's one of the differences with our our little girl was three when we started in all this our our youngest and so she doesn't remember sometimes one of the older kids will say remember how we used to do whatever and she was like I don't remember that <laughs> because <laughs> we didn't live like that since she can remember you know yeah. so she's really got the advantage in growing up in a culture where I mean she lost a tooth um, this past winter. And it bled. It was, you know, kind of one of the bigger teeth. And she was like, you know, it was bleeding and that scares a little kid. And she goes, Mom, go get the yarrow. You know, she needed to do that. (laughs) (laughs) She bit down on it, you know, and it quit bleeding and that was fun. That's great. But she knows these things. And I'm thinking she's not going to have to fight this battle of trying to give up all this junk. What I've found that as I've eaten fresher foods and things, I mean, now I'll go pull a carrot out of the ground, wipe it off on my pants and eat it mm-hmm. and yes it's still got some dirt on it and i'm glad of that you know what i mean i don't feel like <laughs> dirt is dirty anymore <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> there's dirt yeah. And there's dirt. but um it's just and you know it's the health of the soil i always thought you know there's the dirt the ground you know i didn't know there was a difference in soil and dirt so you know i didn't understand that you needed the organic matter and you needed all these different things you know to make plants grow right and have the right nutrition and that's what you know i'll tell anyone that is out in my yard with me and you know i grow a lot of edible flowers i try to my goal since we you know started homesteading is like i'm just going to grow flowers that are edible well now i'm realizing most of them are (laughs) but uh, or they're medicinal you know some of Uh them don't taste as good as others but i'll go out and i'm you know eating a nasturtium or i'm eating you know whatever picking these things or just take an onion and start munching on it and i love it and I'm like, that is living food that you're eating and these enzymes that are going in your system. And, you know, I think a lot of the, the diseases and things and the conditions that we have now come from bad nutrition and not having any kind of gut flora that's, you know, mm-hmm. worth talking about. Right. We need to have, you know, this in our system. And honestly, people that come, my mom comes out and she eats with us and she's like, I don't know what it is about your cooking, but she was like, I always feel better. And I'm like, you know, this doesn't come out of cans and boxes and bags. I mean, sometimes it comes out of drawers, <laughs> you yeah. know, where we can things. But even at that, we use good quality salts when we're canning and those kind of things. We have a, a local source of salt, even in West Virginia, J.Q. Dickinson Salt. They mine their salt from an underground, they call it an underground ocean. So I'm mm. assuming some kind of aquifer. I don't understand it completely. But, you know, when we found out, same lady that, you know, uh, told us about the, uh, the pastured chickens and all that. She was like, yeah, I had asked on Facebook one day, can I get, where can I source, like I want like a, you know, five-gallon bucket of salt. Where can I do this, you know, that I can afford it? Well, she turned us on to this uh, J.Q. Dickinson Salt Works. And so, yeah, we source our salt as locally as we can. And, uh, you know, that's what um, I'm even with my mom, my mom is 70, 76, I believe. And, you know, she's changing her eating habits now. And she's mm-hmm. like, now I can't eat vegetable oil. Now I don't, you know, I don't buy the cheap salt anymore. You know, and so it loops back around to the frugal thing. Well, isn't that cheaper? Well, you know, there's things that are cheaper, but they're more expensive in the long run. So really mm-hmm. now it boils down to quality. Right. <laughs> yeah. Know? I agree. Well, that's that's great. You, yeah, you, you just got so many things you're you're trying out and doing, and different uh, different uh, paths you're taking. That you you are a fountain of information and uh, encouragement for sure. Thanks. I'm glad you're in the the, the Homestead Front Porch uh, Facebook group. I, I have a feeling a lot of folks are going to be uh, reaching out to you for some uh, some answers to some questions, possibly. Well, I appreciate that, and I'm enjoying it so much. It's just like finding a an online home. It's wonderful. That's I love great. it. 
Well, I guess folks can reach out to you there. You're, you'll be available in the front porch there for some uh, questions if anybody has any. Absolutely. They can They can tag me. They can uh, Facebook friend request me, send me a personal message, whatever they want to do. That's great. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Well, uh, well just uh, I'll let you go. I know you're on vacation. I'm on vacation this week, so I guess we'll get back to our vacations and uh, enjoy right. our weeks, and, uh, and I'll let you go. But thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm sure you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Thank you so much, Michelle, for coming on the podcast. And uh, you can check out her book. I'll have a link in the show notes. This is episode 96. You can go to smalltownhomestead.com forward slash 96 and uh, see the show notes. And I'll have a link there for uh, her book and some other links as well. And, uh, yeah, check that out. It's really, really good read. It's not a real huge book or anything. You can read it in, you know, a, a couple days and, uh, I really enjoyed it. It was, it's really good. It's an ebook, but a uh, really good. Also, we mentioned the, uh, the front porch Facebook groups. Uh, that's the Facebook group for this podcast. And if you want to join, it's a closed group, but all you have to do to join is ask. So just search in Facebook for Homestead Front Porch and then request to join, answer a couple questions. We'll get you right in there. So if you want to talk to Michelle, she's in there hanging out. So we'll get back to our regular episodes here later in the week where we're answering questions. If you want to submit a question for the podcast, you can send your questions to ask at smalltownhomestead.com or call or text in your questions to our voicemail at 765-203-1949. You can submit as many questions as you like, as often as you like. I always uh, need more questions uh, for uh, more episodes, so uh, keep those questions coming, folks. And as usual, this podcast is made possible by those who join our Homestead Forum membership community, and you can learn more about the benefits of membership there at thehomesteadforum.com or you can just head on over to smalltownhomestead.com and there's links there for the uh, the Homestead Forum membership community as well. So thank you so much for uh, joining me today and until next time, happy homesteading and God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.